Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is The Eyes Have It, Matthew 6, 22-23. Now last week, as Tyler pointed out, it's all just junk, my stuff, He's not giving his stuff away, notice. But, but uh, Matthew 6, 19 to 21, we talked about where's your bank account. Once again, if you missed that, this is like part two, so get the tape, get the CD, listen to the podcast. But Jesus, we saw how he talked about how you can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. We can't take it, but we can send it on ahead of us. And how earthly things can never really make us happy. They cannot fulfill us. True joy only comes from using all we have to glorify God and to help for the good of other people. Then he goes on today to talk about how important the eyes are, what we focus on. Now he's talking about materialism, which I think applies to us very well. Materialism, generation, everybody says generation X, Y, Z, whatever. I call this generation I. I got to have it, right? Whatever we see, we got to have it. Watching the commercials with the kids. I want this, I want that, I want this. Yeah, I write it down for your birthday, they forget it the next day, right? But that's, that's where we are. We got to have everything, right? Now, he's talking about materialism, but this applies, these, the principles in this verse applies to all of life because what we allow into our eyes, what we allow into our eyes impacts our mind and our heart and our entire life. One of the shows I like to watch with the kids, we watch Falling Skies. I don't know if anybody watched Falling Skies. The alien invasion. Yeah, we got some there. The alien invasion, right? They're invading the earth and we're fighting these aliens and all that. And the, the, last, the very last episode, if you haven't seen it, go watch it. The very last episode of this summer was that one of the good guys in the, in the story, Hal, his name is Hal, he gets... Uh, the aliens, I'm not going to tell you how you can watch it, they get something implanted on him, this little worm-like creature, and he's, and he's knocked out by it, and he's groggy, and, and he's all by himself, and they have him in the hospital, and he wakes up, and he goes to the mirror, and he's looking at himself, trying to figure out, why, why, what happened to me? And, and while he's looking in the mirror, normal hell, this little worm-like creature's on his eyeball, and it, it's, a, it's an alien implant, and it crawls and crawls in through his eyeball. And when it does this, when it does this, it, all of a sudden, he gets, a, um, he gets, at first, pleasure from it. Because somehow they know how to set off the right receptors and stuff. He gets some pleasure from this. And you can see him kind of enjoying whatever happened with this worm crawling into his brain, really. And, and then all of a sudden, after that pleasure, it twists him. He gets this sinister look. This good guy, all of a sudden, gets this dark look. And they use the shadows to make him look like he's like turning evil. And, and it twists him. And this is what Jesus is talking about. What we allow through our eyes, into our minds, into our hearts, can either be for good or for bad. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for getting us all in here today. And a lot of us had to battle not just getting into the school doors, but many things in our life to get here today. We just pray for your spirit to encourage us, to move in our hearts, to move in our minds, and to transform us and and help us in the many, many battles we're facing. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, let's let's pick it up here with, we already did last week's Matthew 6, 19 to 21, but let's pick it up with verse 23, where it says, well, well, I'm sorry, let me read 19 to 21 first, just so it can set the background. Do not store up for yourselves treasures 
on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Once again, get the tape, get the CD. Um, but then he goes on to, to talk about the eyes. And once again, he's talking about materialism, but it applies that, we'll see it applies to our entire life here. He says, the eye is the lamp of the body, verse 22. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? And just a little capsule here is that the body is directed by what we see. You... What you see is how we get around. That's how we drive. That's how we walk. It, it, it gets us around. And when our eyesight is good, we're able to function. We're able to get around. But if our eyes are damaged in some way, we're going to hit a lot of bumps in our life, aren't we? And the same thing is spiritually. Our eyes and their effect, what, our eyes and what we allow into our eyes has an effect on our mind and our heart, it, which impacts our whole life. Verse 22, just want to start off with this one. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. The eyes are the key to the body. And not just the body, but also for the mind and the heart. What we look at, if it's good, our body, our mind, our heart, all will be okay. But if it's, we'll see a little later, just the flip-flop is true, right? Now, Jesus talks about the eyes. He's talking about the physical eyes. But what we're going to see, it's obviously talking about something much deeper than just physical eyes, okay? Because it's obvious that there's a deeper meaning. Because eyes in the scripture are also used symbolically of not just physical eyes, but it's also used of the mind and the heart of the understanding. And he's getting at all that with this verse. He's hitting everything. In fact, in Ephesians 1.18, some of you remember back when we preached through the book of Ephesians. How many were here back then? Anybody? Uh, about half of you? Uh, remember we did the book of Ephesians? And in Ephesians 1.18, some of you remember this one, it says, I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. So we see in scripture that the heart and, and the, the mind and the understanding, along with the physical eyes, it's all part and parcel of this here. And that what he's talking about here in Ephesians is the eyes of our heart are open. Is When you put your faith in Jesus Christ, now you may just be seeking, searching, you haven't put your faith in Christ. But when you do that, when you finally come to the realization that I am separated from God... I have no chance of relationship with him. My life is a mess because of that. And I need to, to be forgiven for all the wrong in my life, the sin in my life. I need to repent and turn away from that and, and turn to Jesus Christ who died on the cross to, to pay for that sin. He died as a substitute for me. He died so that his blood could wash me clean and make me a brand new person. And when, I, when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, your trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of us at that second. And we go from spiritual blindness to spiritual sight. It's like a light goes on and now we have discernment. All of a sudden we have this amazing discernment which grows and grows as more as the Holy Spirit transforms us. But we have a discernment that now allows us to walk in the light. And, and it's, I know a lot of it, we, a lot, I have talked to a lot of us, we talk and we say, did I really believe those things in the past? Did I really believe we came from monkeys or it was okay to kill a, a baby just because it wasn't born yet? Or did I really used to get drunk and high and, and, and talk the way I used to talk? Did I really do those things? Because 
because the Holy Spirit comes in and all of a sudden we see what God is like and what we're really like. And, and it changes the whole way that we, we see. Our eyes are open. And for the first time we can see God's holiness. And we can see his sovereign hand at work. We can see God working everywhere, everywhere we go. We can see God at work in our country and in our church and in our lives and in our families. We can see his hand at work. And we can also... We also learn to fear his justice and his judgments that come in. Because now we have the light of Jesus Christ. And when we have the light of Jesus Christ, it allows us to walk the right way in a very dark world. A very dark world. It helps us to do that. And, and that's, he shows us how to really live and how to have true happiness. Matthew, we've been doing the Sermon on the Mount. The whole point is true happiness, true fulfillment, true joy. Go back listen to it if you haven't heard it. it just, it's all about how to have true happiness when the world says one thing and the flesh says something else and Satan's trying to deceive us another way. The world is, is saying a whole different way and yet Jesus says just the opposite. He says that's how the people walk in the dark. You're not in the dark, you're in light, you can walk a whole other way. That's all one big lie. You will never be happy living the way the world wants you to live. Only the way Jesus wants us to live. And now we can see that because we filter everything through the Holy Spirit and through God's Word. Everything filters through every thought. Everything we look at should go through God's Word. That's the whole point. We filter it all through. That's the way we don't fall to the lie. When we don't filter things through God's Word, we believe the lie. The world's lie. And the world's lie and Satan's lie and the flesh's lie is damaging and we will never be happy we're just going to be miserable in the end it's a lie it's like the guy with the the alien crawling into his brain right it's a lie but he can't see it it's a lie in fact in second corinthians 10 5 and this is a really good one i want to encourage you to memorize this one in second corinthians 10 5 he says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of god now get this and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Everything that comes through our eyes, we'll catch that one. Everything that goes to our brain, everything that goes to our heart, we have to catch it and make it obedient. We take it captive and make it obedient to Jesus Christ. That's what we have to do with every one of them. We have to like, be, be guarding our eyes and our minds and our hearts and, and say, wait, that thought, this, this temptation, this thought, this thing that they're trying to feed me, what does the Bible say about that? We compare it. And even though it doesn't agree with our emotions and doesn't agree with, with the world, we, we make it obedient to Christ. We follow what Christ says, no matter what, what we're feeling at that time. Then in verse 23, so that's, there's the, the good thing about having light. In verse 23, he says... But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? If your eyes are bad, if your eyes are light, everything's good. If your eyes are bad, you're in darkness. It affects the body. It affects the mind. It affects the heart. Everything. I'm, uh, as you know, just crossed a significant timeline in my life. Uh, I'm 51 now. And I'm noticing that whenever I'm anywhere where there's any kind of Light, glare, I can't really see that that well. And even at night, I have trouble driving. I've always had trouble driving at night, but even more trouble driving at night. And, and I go to the eye doctor, and they're like, you have baby cataracts. I'm like, cataracts? I can't have cataracts. My grandparents have cataracts. I don't have cataracts, you know. And they're like, 
no, you have baby cataracts. And I said, well, fix them. He said, you can't because if we fix them now, when you're older, you only get one shot at this. When you're older, you'll go blind because they won't be able to fix the cataracts. You have to wait till they get really bad and you're older. Then you fix the cataracts. And as a result, I really have trouble seeing well. And if, if I never got them fixed, someday I would not be able to see at all. And the same thing is true spiritually. We all have spiritual cataracts. Some have it worse, some have it not as bad, but we all have the potential for these spiritual cataracts in our life. And we don't see clearly the way we should be seeing. And we also have the potential, because of these spiritual cataracts, for crashes. Because we have a potential to crash, to walk into things or crash our car, because we can't see as well. We're in the dark. When I was a youth pastor, I remember taking the kids on retreats. And I remember one particular retreat, we played a game out in the dark. It was Capture the Flag or Man... I think it was Capture the Flag, Man, one of those games. In the dark, really dark, but and the kids didn't... It was on a retreat, so they didn't know their way around the camp. All right? And normally you play it out in your yard or something, and you know, you know where the tree is, you know where this is. But we were playing, the kids didn't know where it was. And I remember one kid came in after a little bit of the game. He came in, and the game was finishing up, and one kid came in, and he had this big line across his neck. Big, like, red welt thing. And he's like, what happened to you? All of us laughing. The game was over. What happened to you? He goes, I was running and I ran into a clothesline, you know? He ran across it. You know, he like flat out on his back, right? We were all laughing. All the kids were making fun of him. Until the next kid came in. Another kid came in. And he had these marks on his face that looked like a soccer net. Yeah, out of space. I go, what happened to you? He goes, I ran right through a soccer net. I got stuck in the net. Yeah, he had it, it's like scarred on his face because they didn't know where they were going. It was dark. And that's what happens to us spiritually. We are facing that same thing where we're facing the, 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 the cataract. We're facing the, the crashes. That's what our whole life is like without Jesus Christ. We're, we're crashing constantly. Our, our Marriages, our families, our relationships, our jobs, whatever it is, we're crashing because we, if we aren't allowing the light of Christ to guide us and to lead us, we're going to constantly be crashing. You know, we dread spiritual blindness, right? That's one of the, I think if the, there's one thing we dread the most physically, it would be spiritual uh, physical blindness because you can't see anything. It would be really, really hard to live that way, right? And yet, most people are spiritually blind which is far worse, and don't even know it. Most people on this planet, and every one of us at one time, live in incredible darkness and don't even know it. Remember? For those who are Christians now, you put your faith in Christ, do you remember the difference? Remember how we used to live? How we used to think? It's crazy. We all did. And maybe you're here today and you're still searching and you, aren't, you haven't put your faith in Christ yet. You're still there. We all did. In fact, in Ephesians, remember back, back to Ephesians, Ephesians 2, remember we covered this one? In Ephesians 2, verse 1 says, As for you, you were dead. You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. Who's that? Satan, that's who we followed. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. Every one of us was once there. And some of us are still there. That's where we are. But, but we're like spiritual zombies. There's all this stuff about zombies now. 
there's a show, uh, I only let the older kids watch it, Walking Dead, The Walking Dead, right? And there's these zombies, right? And the, the idea is that everybody on earth has infected now with this zombie this virus, and, 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 they, and sooner or later you turn into a zombie, you know, somehow you turn into a zombie, and, and everybody's infected. And, and the, the thing about The Walking Dead is these zombies, they're, they're just horrible creatures, you know, and, and there's no reasoning with them. You know, here's a guy with his, his wife, and she turns into a zombie. He's trying to reason with her. He can't because she's a zombie. She can't. She's lost her mind. Well, that's what all of us, we're not turning into zombies. We were zombies. Hopefully we're turning, not, we're going the opposite direction, right? But, but every one of us spiritually, as was at that place, we were in complete, utter darkness, loss, no mental ability anymore spiritually. We were, we were like, just that's what we were. And we still see it constantly. I was um, following some of the political stuff. And if I don't know what political your party, but I don't care. If you come here long enough, you're, I'm going to pick on everybody. I'm going to pick on both parties. Equal, I give equal time, equal access to both groups. Because if I see something biblically that doesn't match up and it affects spiritually, I, I mention that. And so... If you're here long enough, I'll, you'll see, hear me pick on everybody sooner or later, right? But I, the, whole, the, the last thing I want to, the one I want to mention first, come each week, we're going to talk about more different ones. The, the, at the Democratic convention last week, I, I don't know if you noticed if you followed the story, but they took God out of the official plank, right? It wasn't even a big deal. It's just like God-given potential or something like that. But they took it out. And the, the Republicans jumped right on that because they're such a godly party, right? So they jumped on it, and uh, I'm joking, right? So anyway, they jumped on it, and they used that as p- for political, you know, make hay with that. And they said, see, the Democrats don't believe in God. And so the, President Obama, in his, his uh, wisdom, said, we're putting God back in the plank. And he instructed the guy up front, put it back in. One way or another, put it back in. So they had to get up in front of the national TV. They had to get up there, and they had to say... Uh, we're putting, you know, this is what we're making a change. We're putting Jerusalem back in, you know, the, Israel, and we're putting God, God-given something. Just, just mention God. Not, no, no, no doctrinal statement at all, right? Well, they had to do a voice vote, and I don't know if any of you saw it, but it was, it, it did not pass. There was booing. They were booing. The Aries booing. It was loud booing. You know, and, and they did not, it did not pass, but the guy still passed it anyway. Why? Because President Obama said, you better pass it because they're going to cost us votes. Right? And they were booing. And I'm thinking, you're booing God? Really? I mean, think about that. But it's not just the Democrats. It's, it's the culture we live in, right? It's, it's, it's not just a political party. It's our culture is booing God, saying we don't want God telling us what to do. Even a lot of Christians, we don't want God telling, me, uh, God telling us how to, what to do. And, and that's because, why? Ephesians 2, 1 to 3. We're spiritual zombies without Jesus Christ. That's what we are. How did this happen to us? Go back to creation. God's creating the earth. He gets to creation day six. God creates animals. And what are animals driven by? Instinct. God created animals to be driven by instinct. I was out walking the other morning doing my prayer, and uh, I saw these birds, a huge flock of birds, flying into our neighborhood because it used to be a farm and now it's houses. But they still come back to that same spot looking for the, the, the grain. And, and they're swarming. I mean, it was like Alfred Hitchcock. I mean, there's birds everywhere, you know, just huge. Nobody else saw them because it was like 5 in the morning, but, but they were everywhere, right? And, and they, they, they go by instinct, 
That's what drives animals. I, um, there's a reason for this story, so bear with me. You'll see in a little bit. We, we have rabbits, right? And Becca shows bunnies. And she, her one bunny, she took to the fair, and, and it was nose to nose with a boy bunny through the cage. And as a result, it, it has, has a false pregnancy. It thinks it's pregnant. So it's making nests and taking its fur off and making nests. And, and it's all like crazy in this cage. And, and I talked to some bunny experts. And they said, it thinks it's pregnant. And it's going to keep being like this till the hormones get back into the way they should be. And so we just said, well, this is going to be crazy because she's really going nuts. So we, Becca called one of her friends who had a boy bunny and brought it over. And we set up a little area in my office and put the bunnies together. And... Um, now, I grew up on a farm, so it's not a big deal to me. But listen, you didn't have to teach these bunnies anything, right? There's a reason there's so many bunnies, rabbits everywhere. There's a reason for this, all right? And these, these, these things, it, they went by instinct, right? And there's a reason for this. Just hold on. Now, now I'm going to get to this because I know it's probably horrifying some of you. And now, I grew up on a farm. Excuse me. All right, sorry. Anyway, but, but now, that's animals. Instinct, Right? God, then, after he finishes with the animals on day six, says, I'm going to create a man and then a woman. And he creates us as the grand finale. And he creates us in God's image. And we are to be, he created us to be directed not by instinct, but to be directed by intelligence. Get the difference? Intelligence. And he gave us the capacity of intelligence so that we could communicate with him. God, our Father, Creator. And we could commune with him because of our intelligence. Right? And as long as human beings stay close to God, Adam and Eve, their mind, their mind would direct their body and their heart and their soul and their emotions. The mind would direct all those things. But when the fall happened, Adam and Eve sinned, when they broke their fellowship with God, when that happened, their minds were darkened. Our minds, our minds are darkened. Our hearts are poisoned. Our bodies and all the emotions are out of whack now, just like that bunny, right? And now we, now we are an awful lot like the animals. We're a lot like them. And think about how, think of our culture, how it lives bunch of bunny rabbits. You can have sex with anyone and any, everyone at any time. Just, just watch the TV, music, everything tells us that. And a lot of people are doing it. It's like a barnyard. I grew up on a farm. It's like a barnyard in America today. That's what it's like. It reminds me of the farm. And you can take any drug you want. And you can eat anything you want. And just Whatever you impulse, whatever impulse you have, act on it. Because if you don't, you're repressing something. And as a result, it's like a farm. Our culture is like a farm. You go out in the barn and the animals are fighting over the food and doing all kinds of other crazy things. You know, the, you know, it's, it's, that's what we become like. And instead of intelligence directing us, now we are driven by instinct. Instead of God leading us, we are driven by sinful flesh. And that's what's happened to us. Our minds have been darkened. Our hearts have been poisoned. Our bodies and emotions are out of whack. That's what's happened to us. And I've been thinking about this this week as I, you know, even as I've been tempted or thoughts hit me, I'm like, wait, am I going to go by instinct or intelligence here? What am I going to do with that, instinct or intelligence? Am I going to be an animal or am I going to be a, 
a, a man made in the image of God. What, what am I going to listen to? And maybe you're here today, and I'm describing your life. Because you're not connected to God. And you feel like you're ready to crash. You feel like your life is ready to cave in. It could happen to even us after we become a Christian. If we get out of fellowship with God, the same thing can happen, right? We can, we can get ready to crash if we're not connected right, and our life can cave in. There's been all these cave-ins recently. I don't know if you've been following the mining around the world. Sad, sad stories. Uh, miners trap China and South Africa, and even in the U.S. it happens still. But a lot of stories, China, a lot of stories in China coming out of China. And, and imagine what these miners must live like. They're working in pitch dark. they got these little lights. They're working in the dark. And they're working in dangerous conditions. And they know any second. In these countries, they know there is no mining safety. Any second, these mines could cave in. And and they'd be trapped. Can you imagine what it's like to work like that? To live much of your life like that? How many of us do that spiritually? We've lost connection with God. We're crashing, and we're facing these cave-ins. And and, and any minute we know that our life could just cave in, and we just live in that despair and that hopelessness, that might describe our life. But Ephesians 2, back to Ephesians 2, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we are by nature objects of wrath. That's what we were. But listen, we don't have to stay there. If you're a Christian, you don't have to live like that anymore. If you're not a Christian yet, you, don't have, you can become one. You don't have to stay there because look at verses 4 and 5. It says here, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by the grace, it is by grace you have been saved. Wow. God loves us so much that he doesn't want us to live in this darkness, in this horrible state, living like animals, living like people trapped in, in mining and caves and with spiritual blindness. He doesn't want us to live like zombies. He loved us so much that he made a way through his love. How did he make that way? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God sent his own son, only son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for us. And if we will put our faith in him, when Jesus died on that cross, his blood washed away our sin if we'll put our faith in him. His... The cross broke the power of Satan in our life. It broke the power of sin in our life. The cross broke, broke... the spiritual blindness in our life. And it gave us a chance to be forgiven and a chance to be transformed. That's what the cross of Jesus Christ has done. But it's up to us to act on that cross. Ephesians 2, a couple verses down, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can 
boast. It's by grace and faith. Grace is a gift that you can only receive by faith. By putting your trust in, by accepting Jesus Christ, by putting your trust in, by giving our life to him. That's the only way to receive this grace. You cannot work your way into a right relationship with God. You cannot go through all these religious rituals or or sacraments or, or follow the religious rules that people have, that they've made up religious institutions. It's only by putting your faith in Jesus Christ alone. Have you ever put your faith in him? Faith in his grace. And once we do that, once we become a Christian, everything's great. Everything's easy from then on. We're just waiting for heaven, right? Get your, get your tea out and get out the lawn chair and it's going to be great. No, listen. That's just the start of the battle. That's, that's the victory. That's the, that's the war's over, but the mop-up is coming, and the battle is just beginning because salvation is a gift. You can't work your way. You can't fight your way. It's a gift that you accept through Jesus. But once you do that, sanctification, becoming like Jesus, is a battle. It's a war. It's still by grace. We're saved by grace. It's all him. And the sanctification is still all him. But we have to daily depend on him. Just like we're saved. God, I can't get right with you without Jesus Christ and his grace. God, I can't live like Jesus without constant grace. It's daily depending on grace. But it's depending on that grace and then fighting the battle with that grace. It's a battle. Why do we still struggle? It depends on what we focus on as Christians. That, that is the, the biggest part of it. I was a sociology major in college, and I remember we would study why, sociologists, we study all kinds of very interesting things. One of them was, why do, when someone's driving their car, why do they hit so many pedestrians and so many parked vehicles? Why? I mean, here's a pedestrian walking. Why is it so common to hit a pedestrian when they're off the road walking there? And you know what they found? They said, just as a moth is drawn to the flame, when somebody is driving and their, their eyes catch somebody walking along the road or a parked vehicle along the road, you involuntarily swerve toward what your eye focuses, catches. What you see, you involuntarily swerve that way. And as a result, people hit people walking along the road all the time. And you're like, how could they do that? It's an involuntary thing. That's why if I see someone walking along the road, no, look forward, look forward, because I you know, studied this, you know, I don't want to do it. And, uh, you know, it's very traumatic. And so the... Uh, it's, but that's what happens. And the same thing spiritually. Whatever catches our eye, we swerve toward. It's the moth effect. And that's why it's so vital that we keep our eyes focused on Christ. And we keep kept making, you know, we keep that our, 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 the key is what we let into our eyes. Because what goes to our eyes goes to our mind and goes to our heart spiritually. It's all connected together. It, it's all part of it. What we let in. I see so many people, Christians, Going great, getting baptized, going great, and all of a sudden, poof, fall down. Why? They took their eyes off of Christ, and they put their eyes on a lie. I see so many others that are discouraged, others people quitting, and it all traces back to the eye, to the mind, and the heart. All same thing, right? All connected, what we let in. It, it's, it's, it's what we let in. It's like the guy falling skies. I want to encourage you to go Go watch that. You can catch up. Just watch the last episode of season two and watch the end because it's such a horrible, 
gross graphic picture. And it helps me because every time I'm tempted, I'm like, remember that worm? You'll get it out of there. Yeah, yeah, remember that. And, and that's, it, it's a graphic picture to remember. That's what's happening to me. This is going to twist me. This is going to darken me. This is going to do something bad to me. Remember every time we watch TV or we turn on our computer or listen to our iPod or we're tempted by a thought or we remember something from the past. Every time. We have to remember to fight that battle by God's grace. By God's grace. 2 Corinthians 10.5, once again, I want to encourage you to memorize this verse and to make it part of your life. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Every time. Every time something like that happens, we just keep catching it and making it obedient to Christ. Say, God, I need your grace. I need your mercy. I need your grace. I need your mercy. And we just keep giving that to him and keep fighting that battle. And life, spiritual life is, is we think, oh, I've got to make this dramatic change, boom. Or I've got to do this, boom. So much of our life is just about daily, faithful baby steps. It's just about that faithfulness in the little things. You know, I don't know if you've ever gone on a diet, but with dieting, you know what it's like. You want to lose 20 pounds really fast. So we try to lose 20 pounds really fast, and we don't, we, we give up. Well, whereas, what if we said, well, I'm going to lose a pound a week? That's not that hard, right? A pound a week? It's 52 pounds a year, right? But it just take. but see, see what I'm getting at? Or you, let's go easier, one pound a month. Simple. That's 12 pounds a year. It's, but what do we have to do to get there? It's that giving up that certain snack or that certain thing we like or chocolate. No, no, that can't happen. But you give up, we give up whatever, that certain thing that just adds that little bit at a time. But it's that faithful no that makes all the difference. I think of baseball. Baseball is a sport of failure. Constant failure. It's just like spiritual life, isn't it? Baseball. That's why I like baseball. It's like our spiritual life. We fail a lot. But I think of, I'll use one person example, Derek Jeter. I know some of you, even if you don't like the Yankees, most people like Derek Cheater. Derek Cheater is on pace. He's about five hits away from catching up to Willie Mays for 11 on the all-time hit list. And I've been watching Derek Cheater for a long time. He gets out a lot. He gets out most of the time. Most of the time he gets out. And yet he's on pace to be one of the greatest hitters ever. Because about once a game he'll get a hit. If he doesn't get a hit this game, the next game he might get two hits. But every game he gets hit, but he gets out most of the time. But he, he never gets down. He stays focused. He stays positive. He won't let any negative people start talking about, I'm not ready. I'm, you're getting too old. No, I'm going to. He just keeps going. And as a result, he just keeps adding these hits up. And I'm just using him because, you know what? That's our spiritual life. We're going to have a lot of setbacks spiritually. But if we focus on the failure, guess what? We're going to quit. We're going to keep on failing. We're going to retire early. <laughs> right? But if we focus on just being faithful and just keep on being faithful in the little things, day to day, life-changing, life transformation doesn't happen all at once. It happens daily on the little faithful steps, the little battles of taking thoughts captive and, and even when we mess up, okay, I'm not going to keep on messing up. I'm going to step forward. It's that daily faithfulness and, and, and steps of faith. Let's pray. For those of us who have put our faith in Christ, how is the Holy Spirit speaking to us this morning? 
What are we feeding our eyes, our minds, our hearts, our emotions? What is impacting our lives? Is it good or is it bad? Is it light or is it darkness? Is it the world or is it God's word? Maybe we're here this morning and we're pretty discouraged about, some, about something in our life. Maybe we've really messed things up. But the prayer of our heart this morning can be, God, I want to let you start to transform me. Maybe we pray and God say, God, there's, I need to repent of something. I need to cut something out of my life. I need to get rid of something that's tempting me. Maybe it's a commitment to God I'm going to start looking at with my eyes what will help me be like Christ what won't grieve your Holy Spirit but will help me be filled with the Spirit maybe our minds have been darkened in some way and we need healing and a transformation of our minds that God I'm not going to I need your help I need your grace not to think that way that's thinking thinking anymore I ask you to help me to think biblically and to think with faith maybe it's our heart that's been poisoned in some way maybe we're even bitter bitterness has come in and and our heart has been poisoned and it's God my heart got dark not overnight it's going to take time but I pray that you would help me to start to heal my heart start to fill my heart with thankfulness and the love of Jesus Christ and pure purity instead of darkness God I want to start to have my mind renewed so that I could live by my intellect and not instinct by your spirit and not by flesh however the Holy Spirit's leading to you I want to just give some time for prayer and while you are praying I want to say this to those who have never put their faith in Jesus Christ. You've never taken that step of faith, but this morning you realize that you have spiritual cataracts, that you're crashing, that you're facing a, a, a cave-in in your life, but we can all be set free by putting our faith in Jesus Christ right where you're sitting this morning. The Holy Spirit can come in The eyes of your heart can be opened. You can start to see sin in your life in a whole new way. A discernment. A conviction. You can begin to live the life that God always wanted you to live. He created you to live this way. But it starts by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Right where you're sitting, just say something like, God, I... Put my faith in Jesus. I turn away from the sin in my life, the garbage in my life. I ask you to forgive me. Forgive me through the cross of Jesus. Forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus and give my life to him. Father, you're starting something in our heart this morning. I pray that you would bring it to completion. Pray for those who are battling right now that you would give them the encouragement to keep going. 
pray for those who are discouraged, that you would give us hope. I pray that you would transform us in a powerful way so that we would know true happiness and true joy and true peace that you've been talking about through this, that Jesus has been teaching us through this, this Sermon on the Mount. I pray that we would know a full life and purpose and meaning that you would heal families and marriages and relationships. We can't do it. We pray that your Holy Spirit would do it. In Jesus' name.